Today I'm going to uh, continue our study in the book of Galatians. And um, a couple of concepts that are, that are going on in that book that uh, I know that you're familiar with, but I want to reinforce them and kind of understand why we believe what we believe. There's two key words that are used in the third chapter of Galatians in particular. Thank you. <laughs> There's two words in particular that we're going to talk about today. And those words are promise and blessing. Promise and blessing. So for us to really understand the message that Paul is trying to bring forth here, we need to develop some understanding and some definitions for these words. So a, a generic definition um, we could develop, but to really define what Paul really wanted to convey to his people, convey to his audience, that's what we want to try to do. We need to consider the context of the, of the epistle as a whole. So promise and blessing. Generically, we could say that promise could be described as any declaration that somebody will do something. In other words, I come up to you and I tell you I'm going to do something. That's a promise. Okay, I promise you that I'm going to do it. Now, the credibility of that promise is directly tied to the credibility of the person making the promise, right? Their character. Do they have a record, a track record of doing what they say they're going to do? Now, the promise that Paul is talking about here in Galatians is the promise of the inheritance. The inheritance which implies relationship kindred of some sort. The promise of the relationship that believers have through the line of Abraham. That's what he's going to be talking about today. That's promise. Now, blessing. Generically, blessing could be some sort of favor that God has bestowed upon us, right? Some good thing that we receive from God. The blessing that Paul's going to be talking about here today ties in with the discussion we've been talking about in the previous chapters. Justification. The blessing of justification by the Holy Spirit through Christ. We said last time that justification was a declaration or a pronouncement of righteousness. Okay, so somebody's going through their life and they've done all these things wrong. They've done sins. They've, they've done things wrong. Maybe they got arrested for something, but the judge comes along and the judge says, this person is innocent. That's justification. Even though they still have all that junk in their lives and they did all these things, but they've been declared righteous. That's justification. Okay, so we talked about that last time. So faith in Christ results in justification, which results in the promise of the Holy Spirit and our inheritance as being an heir to the promise. Paul goes on and he tells his churches here in Galatia that the Holy Spirit has been doing a work. He asks them, did the, did the, the works of the Spirit or the miracles of the Spirit come to you because you believed or because of something that you did? He's trying to give them the, the, uh, the, the comparison between works and faith. Works and faith. Apparently the fruits of the Spirit were at work in these churches. They were living, living valid churches that Paul had established throughout the area of Galatia. Remember we talked about that. They were living valid churches. Now he's asking them, how did the Spirit come to you guys? Did it come because of faith or did it come because of some works that you did? The answer we know is obvious, right? Because of faith. So if you have your Bibles, go to me with, with me to Galatians chapter 3. If you don't have your Bible, I'll read it anyway, so don't worry. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians is right after 2 Corinthians. Galatians chapter 3. 
And I want to start in verse 7. Paul writing, and he says, Know therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel to Abraham, saying, In you all nations shall be blessed. So then, they which are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Let's stop there. Paul's setting up a relationship here. He's telling the people something. He's telling them that those that are of faith, those that believe in Christ by faith, they are the children of Abraham. Okay. Now notice here again that most of Paul's audience here at this point, they were early Jewish Christians. Okay, The church was just starting out. Most of them were just coming out of Judaism. But now we start to see the Gentiles starting to come in. And he's telling, he's trying to teach them. He says, therefore, all of those who are by faith in Christ are children of Abraham. He's setting up that inheritance thing that we talked about in the beginning. Contextually, the definition, again, of blessing is justification. So those who believe in Christ are entitled to the justification, the blessing through Abraham. The children of Abraham, then, are those who believe, not those who are born of his ancestry. Okay, so it's not just through the, uh, the inheritance or the ancestral line of Abraham. It's not just those Jews, but anyone who has come to Christ. Now, again, as I said, we know a lot of these things, but we're going to try to study here why it is we know it, why it is we can reinforce what it is that we believe. So the scripture told us that in Abraham, all nations shall be blessed. In verse 8, we read that, right? The scripture, for seeing God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel to Abraham, saying, in you shall all nations be blessed. Now we know that Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness, right? Scripture tells us that. His faith was counted to him as righteousness. He was declared righteous, even though he really wasn't. Sounds like that justification we just talked about. And it's through his lineage, Abraham's lineage, that the world would be saved. And we know, of course, that's where Christ came through, right? For those with faith in Christ are blessed with Abraham. He's telling them that the Gentiles as well are the people of God, those of faith, people of God. Let's keep going in verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone that continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that does them shall live in them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, every, cursed is everyone that hangs upon a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Let's stop there. A lot there. A lot in those few verses. Paul is still addressing those people that he addressed as Judaizers, or false prophets, those that snuck into the early church and told people, yeah, they were believers in Christ, but they were believers in Christ plus. Plus what? Plus those old traditions of the Jewish way, the Hebrew ways. Jesus plus the traditions of the Jewish religion. Paul is telling them that if you're still 
doing those things, you're under the law. And if you're under the law, you're under a curse. Because why? Because why? In verse 10, for those that are, for as many as of the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone that continues not in all things which were written in the book of the law to do them. What does that mean? That means if here's the law, all these things, law, 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 law. If I mess up that thing, I'm guilty of the whole law. Guilty. The whole thing. You're still under the curse of the law. Not justified by God. He's referring to those who refuse the grace of God and choose to live, rather, under this law. It's quite the opposite of what we saw in verse 9, right? Which said, those that are blessed by faithful Abraham. Those are faith. They be blessed by faithful Abraham. We see the works. We see the law. We see the difference. Even in the Old Testament, salvation did not come by the law. Think about that for a second. Even those living in the Old Testament, salvation did not come by the law. But why? By faith. By faith in God. It is counted to him for righteousness. In verse 13, it starts to tell us about Jesus. He's redeemed us from this curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs upon a tree or upon a stake or upon a wooden cross. In Jesus' case, Christ became the curse for us. Now think about that for a minute. Paul does not say that he became a curse for himself. Does he? That's important. Paul does not say he became a curse for himself, but for us. Personally, Jesus himself, he was innocent. But he took the place of sinners. And he was hung, crucified like any other criminal. The spotless lamb was defiled with the sins of the world. Isaiah 53 tells us that the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Martin Luther said this, he said, when he, when Jesus took the sins of the whole world, he was no longer an innocent person. The curse of the law struck on him. The Lord judged him and crucified him as a sinner. Wow. What Jesus did for us. Therefore, since you have been freed from the curse of the law, Paul is telling them, why would you want to go back to the things of the law? How foolish would that be? Christ redeemed us so that the Gentiles could get the blessing of Abraham through Christ. Read that again in verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ. That we might receive the blessing of the Spirit through faith. There's that word again, blessing. Christ redeemed us so that the Gentiles could get the blessing of Abraham through Christ. So in Christ we all, both Jew and Gentile, obtain the promise of the blessing made to Abraham through faith. It's for us. Jump down to verse 15. Let's read there. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannuls or adds thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said not unto seeds as of many, but of one, 
and to your seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of the promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Let's stop there. Promise, 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 promise. Right? Promise, 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 promise in those few verses. Notice what he sets up here in verse 15. It's kind of weird, the, the wording that he uses. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannuls or adds thereto. He's talking about a contract in the earthly realm. Okay? In particular, he's probably talking about like a last will and testament. Once it's been confirmed, once it's been signed, sealed, and delivered, nobody changes it. That's not the right thing to do. You don't do that. Now he's comparing that to the contract or to the promise that God made to Abraham. You cannot change that promise. Now notice what happened. If you remember your chronology in the Bible, Abraham came. He got the promise, right? Later, the law came. Okay, that's what he's telling us here. He says 430 years later did the, did the law come. The law did not disannul the promise. You see that? The promise was still there. The promise was still there. He promised in verse 16, this is important too, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said, not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, to your seed, which is Christ. The plural versus the singular. He's talking about Christ. The promise was made to Christ. The blessing was going to come through Abraham, through his seed, which was Christ. How do we fit into this? How do we fit into this? Are we in Christ? Yes, we are. We are in Christ. So we, therefore, become part of Christ where the blessing is. We get this blessing, this promise, this promise, this promise of justification by faith in Christ. So even though the law came 30, 430 years later, the promise is not disallowed. The relationship is still there. The promise is to all people, again, both Jew and Gentile, they would be blessed through Abraham's seed. First came the promise, then came the law. Look at verse 18 once more. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. The inheritance does not depend upon the law, but upon the promise. If you do this, then this. If you do this, then this. That would be the law. It would not be a gift any longer. Hmm. So why did he give us the law in the first place? We're told in the scriptures he's giving, he gave us the law to fill the gap between when the law was given until the time when the seed or Christ came. What was the purpose of the law? To make us understand and knowledgeable of what is right and what is wrong. To point us to Christ. Again, there was this list, 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 list of the law. And people found out, I can't live up to it. I can't do it. I missed it here. I missed this one now. Oh, I missed this one now. You get it straight, you lose. You get it straight, you lose. You can't live up to the law. The law was only needed until Christ came. Because why? He fulfilled the law. 
Christ himself fulfilled the law. The promise referred to Christ. The justification, like I said before, there's a person who has sinned, done things wrong, gone to jail, and the judge says, you're innocent. Even though you did all those things, you declared righteous. That is justification. Jump down to verse 21. Let's keep moving here. The promise is given to all who believe in verse 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has concluded all under sin that the promise of faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them who believe. So the law gives no hope. There's only hope in Christ. And the promise is given to those who believe in Christ. So again, why was the law given? Another scripture here tells us that we're not going to read here today. says that the law was given as our guardian or our schoolmaster. It was given to teach us until the time of Christ. We would come to faith in Christ's justification in us all. Now, let's finish out this chapter, verse 26. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither is there bond nor free, neither is there male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This ties together everything that we just said. If you are the children of God by faith, you are in Christ Jesus. That's what I said before. He spoke about the seed, which was Christ. Now, how do we fit in there? Because we are in Christ Jesus. Those that are baptized into Christ or immersed in Christ or clothed with Christ is another way to say it. Verse 28, neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free, male nor female. There's now no longer a divide between the Jewish and the Gentile believers. Also in Christ, there is no other separations as well. All in Christ are equal. All will receive Abraham's blessing. And in verse 29, it tells us, if you be Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed. There you are again. You are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So forgiveness is ours. By justification through the Holy Spirit, by what Jesus performed. You see how it all fits together? You see how it all fits together? Now, a lot of us have been Christians for a long time. We've read these scriptures before. And we've read other scriptures and other books before. Now, you might go home tonight and you might start reading your Bible and you might go to the book of James. And you might read James chapter 2. And it's going to say something like this. And the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. But he was called God's friend. Then it says this. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. Oh, no. 
Oh no. What do I do now? Pack up the Bible? Tear out that section? Throw it away? What do I do now? There seems to be a direct conflict between what we just learned from Paul. But keep in mind a few things. James was addressing a different audience. He was addressing a different audience that had different issues to deal with. James was trying to stir up people's compassion so that they wouldn't be complacent and do nothing to help each other. Okay, that was the audience he was dealing with. People that were getting complacent and doing nothing to help each other. He was trying to teach them that good actions or good deeds will naturally come out of the heart of the person who has been changed by faith. You see that? You see that? Trying to tell them that the good things or good actions or deeds will naturally flow out of a heart that has been changed by faith. So it's not that you are justified by the things that you do. It's that the things that you do will naturally come out of your heart once you have been changed. You see that? So they're together. They're together. He was trying to teach them that good actions flow. They flow. It's not our means of salvation, but it's proof of a changed heart that has received the salvation. So faith in Christ results in justification, which results in the promise of the Holy Spirit and our inheritance in Abraham, which results then in the good deeds, good works that we do. So it all flows together. So we learned that through Abraham, all nations were blessed. Those with faith are the children of Abraham. Those that have faith in Christ are the children of Abraham. And therefore the they are entitled to the blessings coming from God. The Gentiles would be included in the people of God. Christ has redeemed us. He became a curse for us. Paul does not say that he became a curse for himself. We've got to remember that. But a curse for us. Personally, Jesus himself was innocent, but he took the place of sinners and he was hung or crucified like any other criminal. The spotless lamb of God became defiled, the sins of the world. As Isaiah 53 tells us, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. That inheritance is something that cannot be earned. If inheritance depends on the law, then it is not dependent on the promise. If you do this, then this will happen. But it is a gift. And the promise is to all who believe. If we're in Christ, then we're heirs of the promise. We're all equal in Christ. Amen. Neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. We are equal in Christ. Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So again, what was the promise? The promise was that of justification by faith in Christ through the Holy Spirit. Being declared innocent. Not necessarily just those that came from Abraham's descendants, his line, but those who believed in Christ, they became the seed. Christ was the seed, but we are in Christ. We become in him, and we are the ones. Now what do we do with this sin problem that people still have? Human beings have a sin problem. The answer to the sin problem is not just simply to stop sinning, because we can't do it. But the answer is the gospel of free 
justification in Christ. It will cause us to love God. We realize this free justification in Christ will cause us to love God. And when we love God, that will make us stop sinning. You see that? Do we just do we just accept him because we're trying to be able to get into heaven? Or do we love God? Now maybe it started out that way. But now when we realize all that he's done for us, the blessings, the justification, becoming a curse, forgiving us for our sins, now we love him. We understand and our love for him grows and grows and grows. And that causes us to sin less and less and less. Amen? Amen. Justification by faith in Christ.